were called from all parts of the city to come and worship. So we immediately are told it is not our work, it is God's work. And that's, you know, that is the story of redemption as well. God calls us to him. And then there's these little tiny cycles all the way through the service that do the same thing. If the liturgy is working uh, in whatever tradition we're in, it's, it functions in, in the same way. It does, it keeps telling that gospel story. It's this movement uh, that I want everyone to take part in uh, and understand. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the CPT Podcast. I'm Zach Wagner. Today our guest is Paul Vanderbile, who is the Director of Worship Music at Covenant Presbyterian Church of Chicago. We are talking with Paul about music, liturgy, and rehearsing the story of redemption through worship. Let's get right into the conversation. Paul Vanderbile, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. We're delighted to have you. Excited to have uh, our first official worship pastor on the podcast. We've been going for well over a year now, and we've had plenty of people with lots of opinions about worship arts. And, and <laughs> yeah, two full years now, actually, Todd. Has it been two, two years? Well, two there years you go. Uh, that's what that's what happens when you're having such a good time, Zach. You just kind of lose track of of, yeah. of the time. Um, but uh, we're, we're thrilled, Paul, to have you on the show to uh, talk liturgy and worship and uh, music ministry in the context of the local church. Real excited. Excited to have you on the show for another reason. You are a fan favorite at the CPT conference, if I can put it that way. Um, Paul, uh, as our listeners may know, uh, who attend the CPT conference, Paul and his colleagues in the Chicago Liturgists, which he'll share a little bit more about uh, in the course of the show, uh, have led uh, the worship uh, at the CPT conference over the years and have always been a highlight of the conference for all of us. And so we're, we're thrilled to, to be able to partner with you in that way and grateful for your friendship and, and work with us at the CPT and, and excited to share you with our listeners, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, it's been uh, an exciting few years to do this with you guys. I, I, you know, I, I sort of imagined when we started, you know, with the idea of doing kind of liturgically formed uh, worship services, I thought, this will be a yeah. good year. We'll do it for one yes. year. And then, and then they'll be like, yeah, we're not doing that again. But, <laughs> but um, no, it's been exciting to be able to do this uh, uh, yearly. And it's been a challenge for me. It's been a challenge for those, uh, my friends who are, who've joined me on it. So it's been good. Really good. No, it's great. That's great. And uh, we, uh, we, you know, we, whenever we have most of our guests that we have on, Paul, we, we uh, ask them about their sort of ministry context and how they got into their current ministry context and call to ministry and background. So uh, we want to share you with our listeners and, and have you share your story yeah. of how you were formed as a musician and a pastor and, and just all of that. There, there are no doubt lots of interesting threads we could pull on, but um, maybe just start with your current ministry context. You're at Covenant uh, Presbyterian Church in Chicago. Maybe just share a little bit more about your current ministry context, what you do, how long you've been there, and then we'll, we'll uh, pivot to talk about your background. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been at Covenant now 
uh, in a formal uh, and informal role. I mean, I've been, I, I, I went, I started going to Covenant when I graduated college, um, a few years after I graduated college. So right around 97 or 98. Yes. Wow. Um, and, and then, uh, and then, you know, volunteered as a musician under the worship director at the time. Um, uh, and I remember, uh, having, uh, a discussion uh, with her where I think she, you know, and if you remember that, that the, te- the time period, um, it was, and it still may be this way in some contexts, I'm sure a lot of contexts, but it, uh, in that time period, in our context, it was, you know, we're going to bring you on Paul to do the one, you know, contemporary service a month. Yes. Um, and, this is kind of the worship war, worship wars. Yeah. yeah we were, season, we were trying, or, yeah, or exactly. Era. We were trying to, and I remember, um, saying that I wasn't interested in doing that. <laughs> yes. And, and that I, I would, you know, I, I just said, I think it would serve, con- you know, covenant and our congregation better if we tried to uh, not do one thing or the other, but try to uh, mm. put our services together, um, you know, and I think in a blended fashion at the time, that's the way we talked about it. Um, and how did she respond? How did she respond? How did the church respond to that idea? No, it was fine. I mean, I, I, I never got any, I mean, it was, uh, it was a very, it was very positive. Uh, yes. Um, and, and it set the template for how things would be for us, you know, when uh, I became worship director later on. But anyway, so um, Todd, does that? It didn't really answer. Todd's the getting unified. Uh, Todd's getting unified to glorify flashbacks and hit. Oh my! <laughs> you know we did that at Calvary, right? We did yeah. that at Calvary. We had two different worship to and merged them. Yeah, and, and and worship styles and musical centers and brought them into a single, which was bumpy and challenging. Sure, uh, but yeah, but this isn't my story. This is your story, brother. So no, keep going I mean, with I mean, story. it was uh, you know, I, I. I I wondered at the time, you know, how it would go. And I, not, I wasn't, it's weird because I, mm. I remember, well, I mean, we can cycle, we can circle back to this as far as regards the worship wars um, and the culture at the time. But I didn't, I, um, I didn't, I didn't feel that tension or that pressure. I think as a congregation, yes. we were, we were uh, happy to, you know, try to incorporate, um, uh, different aspects of the, the worship in our, in our worship, in, you know, in the, in the liturgical and worship experience at Covenant. So anyway, I started. And when did you, oh, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, I, I, I was helping uh, that for many years um, as a, as a volunteer. And then, and then she left and I, I took over for her. And when was that Paul, when you took over? Uh, 2007. So, 2007. Yeah. Okay. And then we, and then I started uh, as worship director full time. So you were volunteering for something like a decade. Yeah, for sure. Before you yeah. went, you went on, and you've been there for something like 14, 15 years now. Is, is it that long? Is it that? Long? I, I <laughs> well, you, you, well, you and I are of the same vintage, brother. Right? We both graduated. I graduated in '97 from college. It's '97, '98. I graduated in December. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. I mean, we're sort of. 94 high school grad. When did you graduate high school? I graduated 87. 
Oh, wait a minute. Oh, so you went to, there we go. So we are a little different vintage. Yeah. You went to college later than I did. Right. I went to college beginning of the 90s. Yeah. Well, this is why we're going to talk about your story. <laughs> I want to know more about this background. But what did you do professionally after you graduated from from? Uh, college, while you were volunteering at Covenant, were you were you working as a musician? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, after after college, so uh, we had we had um, so when when I went to when I, when I went to college, I went to Moody Moody Bible Institute. There yes. was a group of yes. us that uh, at the end of Moody were um, had a vision to. Plant church, a uh, plant a church in in Seattle, Washington. Oh wow! And that was, you know, and that was back before planting churches in Seattle was cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, we had done this study, you know, when we were at Moody about you know the the, the places in the country where, you know, uh, uh, it was most needy for you know church work. Yeah. So we at that time, you know, the Pacific Northwest was the, the place to go. So we had this yeah. big vision and there was a group of us, five or six of us that, uh, came out of Moody ready to do that. Some of them went to Aaron, um, the senior pastor at covenant Prez, uh, went to Trinity, uh, to get his, uh, yeah, <clears throat> his MDiv. And so we were all moving in that direction, you know, and then, okay. um, he, uh, got an internship at covenant and, um, and I, you know, we had been planning to do ministry together. So I, you know, started working with him there, um, as yes. So, so we, you know, life happens, you know, that's how it is. And yeah. God moved us <laughs> in different does. directions. <laughs> that's and, right. uh, we ended up in, in Chicago. So we stayed here. Well, that's, that's how did, how did you, how did you do what, what's your b- b- background, church background, theological background, public? I'm curious how you went from Moody to a, a Presbyterianism. <laughs> um, I think actually, did you grow up in the church? Did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. How, that I did. So my, my, uh, I grew up actually in um, West Papua, New Guinea. My parents were missionaries there. Uh, wow. Is that right? That's right. And, uh, I, wow. So that's I, like real missionary work if you're growing up there, man. That's like out of the missionary biographies. Yeah, it was. Yeah, my my father actually has a little notation in the the, the book uh, from Jerusalem to Irinjaya. Oh, does oh he really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> he was a he was a Incredible. pioneer pioneer missionary among uh, the Nduga tribe uh, there. Oh, incredible. Um, and so that was my, wow. that was my growing up years, um, there. And, and I, they were with the Christian Missionary Alliance. That was my background. Um, and then okay. I wow. came to the States, although we had, we had some experience with, uh, kind of mainline Presbyterian church, uh, for a little while yeah. when I was, a ch- when I was a yeah. kid. And yeah. then, um, so that was sort of my background. Um, and then I came to Moody and yeah, you mentioned, you know, how did I end up at a Presbyterian church? The irony is, is that, yes, that how did you? well, I mean, Moody was actually, uh, you know, it has to do with the teachers that I had there. Um, I had some great, uh, great instruction and some teachers that really pushed, uh, me, um, to, uh, broaden the way I thought about, uh, yes. 
uh, my theology and, you know, about my, my perspectives on, on, um, you know, I mean, I think a, a, I think, uh, a lot of people consider M- Moody, mm. they, when they talk about Moody, they talk about dispensationalism and so on. Yes. But it yes. Wasn't, and the kind of low church Bible church tradition, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, but again, you know, I mean, we can all attest to the fact that sometimes it's not necessarily about the institutions you're in. It's about the teachers you have in those institutions. And it was yes. for me, you know, yes. uh, we had, some, yes. I had some very challenging teachers that kind of <clears throat> pushed me. Uh, John mm-hmm. Walton being one of them. Cause I remember, Oh yes. yeah. Um, he spoke at CPT a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, John um, Walton's a lovely guy who now teaches at Wheaton. Right. And has been at Wheaton for some time, yeah, actually. For some time. And he was actually, in, he was very important in my my uh, journey of, of faith. Uh, as fascinating. Far as, yeah. So I ended and, up. And so you you entered into Presbyterianism kind of the, the old-fashioned way through theological convictions, Paul. Yeah. In other words, the attraction to Presbyterianism as a worship pastor wasn't, if I can put it this way, kind of aesthetic, cultural. Right. Musical. It was. It was more theologically driven. Is that is that a fair way to put it? I don't want to bifurcate those. Yeah. Make those sound I like mean, two different worlds. But yes and no. I mean, part of it was honestly that my you know my friend was interning there. So um, yes, okay. You know, Aaron was interning there, and um, uh, I, I wanted you know I was going there because uh, you know we we were connected in that way. So you know, I wanted to. I wanted to. And it, all that to say, at the same time, at this, you know, while I was doing that, I was um, uh, doing music and uh, doing uh, at a uh, at a Korean church um, uh, wow. with their youth group. So there, I was doing that for a little wow. while while I was also uh, connected with Covenant. But I was doing that for for a good, I don't know, maybe three years or so. Um, and wow. then after that. Um, I landed uh, a job at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity in Trinity. Um, you know, I was just at that point in my life where I was trying to make ends meet. So um, yeah. I got yeah. I got married at the end of uh, I got married in '98. So you know, I I needed to partly I needed to you know I needed to have a job that was a little more consistent. So. And yeah, then, totally. you know, what did you do at the What did you do at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity? Um, we're we're Paige, Paige Cunningham. I trust you know you yes. know Paige. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I was there. Uh, I was a, just I was their resource manager, and I um, okay. I was also i <laughs> i uh, i wrote pieces. Um, I did these little uh, uh, movie. Um, critiques for their, for their, for their uh, monthly magazine. And so I would, I would talk, you know, I would write, yeah, (laughs) that was my, that I was highly published. The very, very important. <laughs> this is like rotten tomatoes for Christians. Is yeah, this exactly, the idea? Exactly. <laughs> you know, what, awesome. were, what were the bioethics, you know, you know, I, you know, would watch movies that had sort of bioethics themes. I don't know. But it was good. It was a good time um, in that way, and was challenging also. So, but again, I was I was working at Covenant. I was volunteering, and then eventually hired as assistant music director, and then and then uh, 
you know, the whole time, uh, of course, uh, involved in music and, and worship. Uh, and, you know, that was the love. That was my love. You know, that's what I, yeah. that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to do and be a part of. So when, when did you, when did you pick up music? When, when did you develop that as a passion, become a musician? Um, when did that happen, Paul? Or real early on, as it seems to be for so many people? Yeah, I or mean, I a think, little later on. You know, uh, were you one of those college dudes who just grabs a guitar <laughs> and gets cool with the college guitar, <laughs> or was it much earlier? And <laughs> a little. Bit, I mean, so when I was, uh, it was eleven or twelve. Um, my sister came and visited us overseas and uh, in West Papua. And she had her guitar with her, and she left it with. Wow. Me. She left it with me because she. Oh wow! Oh wow! Playing. So great! Yeah. Yes, is that right? Yeah. So I remember. Um, I tell this story often too, and I because I remember having this distinct thought. I, I, you know, if if uh, if you remember, well, I don't know. For those of us who remember the '90s or the mid '90s or early '90s <laughs> church music, there was this. If you remember, there was this uh, kind of movement to ha- to sing with taped you know you would have a you would put in a tape or and you would sing along with it during church services do you remember that yeah i don't know but yeah it, it that was, was a thing sort of. <laughs> yeah it was sort of a thing and i remember as a teenager thinking that i didn't i didn't like that at all and i want so i picked yes. up the guitar because i wanted to accompany my myself um yes and hmm. that was sort of you know that was sort of the beginning of my my journey uh, in that. And as the the guitar has been your your instrument, your go to instrument, Paul, yeah. is that right? Tell yeah. tell us what other instruments you play. Um, I I play the guitar and I play the radio. <laughs> I play the radio. <laughs> and radio all right, <laughs> and variations of the guitar. Yeah. You play that little thing. I've seen you play a oh, little yeah, thing right. at the CPT conference. <laughs> right, right, what right. is that little thing? The the uh, the ukulele. I play the ukulele. Yeah, oh, there we yeah. go. The ukulele. So you can sure. tell I'm, I'm a really trained musician. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you're you're quite initiated. Yeah. Uh, Asking a ridiculous question like, "What's that little guitar you're playing?" <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love. Uh, I pick up the electric guitar, you know, uh, occasionally as well. Yes. Um, uh, I love to sing. I've always. That's been always my, you know, instrument of choice, as it were. Uh, I, the, the your voice. Yeah. Your voice. Sing, yeah. yeah, you have a beautiful singing voice, Paul. I'm not just throwing bouquets of flowers at you now, but you really do have a beautiful, there's a great, uh, uh, former worship pastor at Calvary, Josh Cater, you, whom you know, yeah. of course, uh, talks about, is, am I going to get, am I going to get, am I going to get the word right? Timbre? Is that, is that a word? Timbre? Yeah, sure. Timbre. Like, timbre. Timbre. Yeah, sure. Timbre. Timbre. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here I'm showing my music, but you've got a nice timbre to your voice if I'm using that right. Like, oh, Zach, is this going from bad to worse? Me trying to kind of gauge in the, <laughs> it might be a little bit. I wonder, I wonder if I should take over a little bit because I at least had piano lessons yeah. and yeah. kind of know some of the, and I'm married to a, 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 a music major. Major. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> take it from here. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I'm going to get a coloring book and go sit in the corner <laughs> for a few minutes. I'll be back. <laughs> well, on the timbre of your voice, Paul. Uh, this is we're going to kind of we're going to kind of redirect this a little bit. Good. This Good. is a, a good thing to do. this is a um, perhaps an, a, a a specific question, yeah. an, an overly specific question. But you know my exposure to your kind of style as a as a leader and as a as a worship leader has obviously been at the CBT conference. I don't think I have ever worshipped at Covenant Pres before, so I haven't seen you in that context. I've only seen you there. 
But something that has, and I, and I imagine this is very intentional on, on your part, um, something that has always struck me about the mode in which you lead worship. Um, yeah, and I hope this, uh, there's like, there's there's a there's a I almost want to say like a histrionic like stage like acting and I don't mean to at all imply that it's insincere but there's like you you are emotionally invested not yes. only in the singing but also in the readings in a way that I think um I think Todd and others would agree is is yes. very striking. And yes. that's just not something, you know, when you're reading creeds, when you're reading scriptural passages, when you're doing calls and responses, you, it, it, it is kind of like, Oh, he like, he's kind of do, got this Shakespearean actor thing going on <laughs> and it comes and it, and it doesn't come across um, as like hokey. Um, I, I, at least I don't think in a way that maybe someone hearing about it might, think oh that sounds yes. so silly but it, it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel that way with you so all that to say is talk to us a little bit about how you think about the way you use your voice um both mm. and and particularly the way you kind of channel emotion and invite um invite kind of participation yes um in the worship experience because that's always that's something i found very striking about the the way you do it yeah um and maybe it's just natural and you don't think about it at all and it just kind of happens. But yeah, I, yeah. I suspect that there's some well, intentionality there. Yeah. Well, thank you. Those are kind words uh, from you, um, uh, Zach. You know, I don't, you know, that that is a good question. And I've, I've had similar questions like this before. Um, I think, I think maybe uh, we've always, uh, as we've always worked on the assumption that the emotion comes with the music, <laughs> you know, and that's uh, why we, we, yes. uh, we add those aspects to our services. I mean, whatever. I mean, I, uh, we, we think about, you know, we think about, we think about the emotional aspect of, of our worship experience in the context of music. And yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like uh, our worship experience is m much broader than just that. Um, mm. And uh, our creeds, uh, the spoken word, the, um, the sung word, you know, the, the, the sermon, all these aspects are, are, are part and parcel of the, the entire uh, worship experience. And I've, I've, I guess I've come to it that way just because I've in, you know, even recently, uh, uh, with my, um, when, as I finished my MA in worship uh, ministry or I'm sorry, in, in, uh, in worship studies at, uh, the Institute for worship studies, uh, the Robert E. Wetworth Institute for worship studies. I, oh, one of the yeah. things that I came out from that, um, among many different things that I've come, uh, that I learned from my experience there was that the, uh, the, the paradigm that the word, uh, and the, um, the <laughs> lack of a better way of saying it, the word and the music part of the worship service are two sort of separate things. Um, yes. is not, you know, is not the correct way of looking at it. You know, I, I think about, mm. yes, 
I think mm. about, uh, you know, even the, uh, if you think about the way the, the Israelites, uh, experienced, uh, the Passover, uh, it yeah. was in, it was in word that they experienced the Passover. They, they, they spoke their, their creeds to each other. They talked about the Exodus. They, um, they taught their children, uh, in word, uh, and song, um, and in action, you know, they marked the, they, they marked the, the posts with blood. They, they, they had a meal. Uh, they did these things as, as, uh, ways of actively engaging, uh, mm. their the theology as it were, right. Uh, to, to yes. make it stick. Yeah. Um, and I yes. think, I think about, I think about it that way as well. All, uh, all the portions of our worship service are the way we sing, uh, the way we, you know, uh, take communion. These are, these yes. are all the actions that we do to, embed the gospel into our hearts. Um, yes. Uh, and and yeah. has there been any, has there been any tension in that, Paul? Like, uh, you know, uh, um, I think when people think Presbyterian liturgy, they don't think, you know, dynamic, affective emotion, right? I mean, uh, but, but y- the way you approach it and having seen you lead both at Covenant and at, at CPT, I mean, it's, it's there's a kind of if I can put it this way, charismatic earnestness and sincerity and energy in a fairly structured, fair, very thoughtful liturgical sort of arc to the service, which is a in <clears throat> in my view is just a fabulous combination. But that's not. Is it, is it fair to say it's not a typical sort of Presbyterian thing? And did you have any tension sort of working that where people are like, hey, Paul, you got to calm it down a little bit, brother. This is getting a little yeah. too much emotion. We're the frozen, too, we're the frozen chosen over yeah, here. We can't yeah, be you know, like, yeah. we, Paul, you look like you want us to raise our hands and fur our brow here. What are we doing? Like, did, was there ever any tension like that as you were coming into your leadership at, at Covenant Press? And I don't mean that as a slight of Covenant Press at all. No, I'm just sure. kind of asking the question of the role of emotion in the context of, <laughs> of corporate worship in your particular yeah. ecclesial and theological tradition is kind of what I'm getting at there. Yeah. To stereotype, it seems like Todd is saying you buck the Presbyterian trench <laughs> or, or stereotype <laughs> or, or something I was, I was like trying that. To, I was trying to ease You're into the to question. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think to be fair, what I do at CPT might be like a notch or two up what necessarily I do at Covenant Mm. Press, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Um, although, I mean, I do, I bring that, I bring that, I bring that, uh, engagement to our services as well. You know, I use, I use this, um, I've used this with my musicians before, um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it justice here in this moment. I think maybe, um, there's this, uh, there's this piece by Soren Kierkegaard and maybe you guys have heard this, uh, where he talks about, um, he uses the phrase whispering prompters, um, the role mm. he uses, he uses the phrase in the context of, of, uh, of the, of the preacher, um, and he, mm. and he calls, he refers to them as the whispering prompter. In other words, he, oh. where he says, 
the pastor uh, uh, in this context, he's talking about the, you know, the leader is the whispering prompter and the audience is the audience yes. of one, right? The God is our audience. Yes. Mm. And I've used that uh, metaphor before for our musicians saying, you know, Beautiful. we're on a stage, um, our audience and we're, and, and we're off to the sidelines and we're, we're prompting the congregation to, yeah. to, uh, we're giving them the words to uh, worship. We're giving them the songs. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, and, and when you, uh, Zach, we were talking about that, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the Shakespearean element, I, I've, I've thought about that before as we have, have gathered and I've encouraged my mm. uh, musicians to think about it that way as well. Um, you know, we're on, mm. we're behind the curtain and we're, we're, we're prompting giving the words to the congregation, um, giving them the words to speak to, you know, in mm-hmm. with emotion and uh, to the audience yes. of one. And I feel like um, that, you know, I mean, it's not a perfect metaphor, but it does help, I think, help us to um, put it in the right perspective. Um, our role uh, as, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. as preachers, our role as musicians, our role as worship directors, as our role uh, in what we're supposed to do. Hey everybody, just a quick note about the CPT's annual theology conference for 2021. The theme this year is Confronting Racial Injustice, Theory and Praxis for the Church. This event will take place on October 18th to 20th at Calvary Memorial Church just outside of Chicago. Plenary speakers include Charlie Dates, Eric Redmond, Esau McCulley, Raymond Chang, Cherith Fee Nordling, Gregory Thompson, and Love Seacrest. You can register and find more information at cptconference.com. So on that on that point, the as 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 preachers and as musicians what is the relationship between those two because i'll say again just speaking from my experience and i've and i've heard you and i've heard um you know uh caleb and some of the other guys kind of associated with with uh the chicago liturgists talk about this kind of rehearsing the story of redemption through the worship through the worship set yeah if you want to use that that language sure um, so I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that, but I was just thinking as, as you mm. just mentioned, preaching and, and worship, I've never felt, um, I often feel, I should say, like I just heard a sermon when you finish the worship yeah. set, which I think is exactly the goal that you have in mind. If, if, if I understood, yeah. you know, conversations rightly, just when you're talking about that, because, you know, go, go through the whole thing and. I just feel like, does the pastor need to even say anything at this point? It's like, um, so Wait, yeah, talk, I, talk about can, that well, a little can bit. I, can, ahead, I just, can I just drill down on that just for a second, Zach, to make sure, because I, I, I think what you're getting at with hearing the sermon in it when, when Paul has led at CPT, for example, in the past, is that because of the thematic coherence of the of the, of no. the no, well, like I, I don't mean to say it's there's discontinuity there, but we're we're actually strictly speaking not doing sermons at the CPT conference. Yes, we're doing right, kind no, of right. talks or presentations. 
Um, but I do feel like the gospel has been preached before yes, anybody yes. gets up. That's, yeah. I think, what yeah. I mean when I say yeah, sermon. Talk to us about rehearsing the story of redemption in um, kind of in the way you structure the liturgy, particularly the liturgy as it leads up to the sermon. Yeah, sure. Um, when you're putting together a service. Right. You know, um, if the liturgy is working properly uh, in the context of a worship service, that's what it does. You know, it just constantly in cycles, in big cycles, right? The big cycle, the liturgical big cycle, you know, goes through the story of redemption from beginning to end, from, you know, the call Uh, to mm. worship at the beginning, which reminds us that, you know, uh, we're not, we're not here by our own. We're not, you know, we're here, we're called, you know, we're called from all parts of the city to come and worship. So we immediately Mm. are told it is not our work. It is God's work. And that's, you know, that is the story of redemption as well. God calls us to him. Um, and, and then we go, and then there's these little tiny cycles all the way through the service that do the same thing. If the liturgy is working uh, in whatever tradition we're in, you know, whether it be, you know, the low church uh, or the high church, um, they, it, it's, it functions in, in the same way. It does, it keeps telling that gospel story uh, through the, confession of sin, the assurance of pardon through the table, through, especially in the table, um, through Mm. the, uh, you know, through all the little tiny, you know, segments that transition between all of those things. I mean, it's, a, it is, uh, it is a challenge. It's always a challenge for me, even weekly to think about all these little tiny pieces because I feel like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the, it's this movement uh, that I want everyone to take part in uh, and understand, you know, um, and there's a, an artful element. There's a, an element of beauty that, that I, that I want, that I want the worshiper to experience um, and understand so that they, so that they're not just, you know, for the, for the worshiper who, um, again, I'm, for the worshiper who, who might, I mean, there. Are, I mean, we all come. Uh, the worshiper comes at uh, comes to worship with. <laughs> let me let me think about this. We all have different ways that we come. And we understand. Yeah. You know, there are those who are yes, who yes. will engage with uh, the word very deeply. Uh, who want you know the sermon, and that's the way. There are those who who. Uh, engage and understand gospel message differently and, and will take portions of what it means, you know, in the music. And I, and the challenge for a worship director like myself uh, and others is to, is to try to capture um, everyone in their, in their different uh, emotional uh, place. Um, I'm not, yeah, I don't know if I'm doing justice to the answer that question, but I feel like. No, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was just going to follow up and say, it's, it's, um, it's not putting together a worship set in the way that you would put together a set list for a concert. It's like, well, what are some, what's kind of a nice emotional flow? You know, this, this, this feels nice after this song because it's a little more mellow and that last one was high energy. And we're going to kind of go into a more, more um, 
kind of settled portion of like it it's 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 a story yeah. that you're you're telling um and i wonder then um so if if putting together a worship set is not just kind of picking five nice songs and putting them together and well, isn't that nice? But it is about telling the story of redemption. Sure. And mm. it is about fitting that in with the sermon and the table and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are, yeah, there, there are like all kinds of things that I, you know, I had to have been thinking about. Right. So it is, it is, in what ways do we, when, what way do we, do we communicate the Godhead, you know, the, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Um, yes. And in what ways, not doing, uh, not only in the liturgy do we talk, I mean, it's hard to, if we're just, you know, if it's just a service where we have kind of a, a rock set of tunes and a, and a sermon, um, there, are, there are ways we can, there are ways we can miss that, that com, you know, the complexity of the Godhead um, yeah. in that mm. context. And there are ways that we can, in the liturgy can communicate that, you know, um, there are ways we can talk about the father. There are ways we can talk about the son and the yes. Holy spirit um, that make either overtly or, you know, uh, you know, or, or not uh, we can, we can bring in those yes. elements and those aspects of worship that, so it's, it's talking about, it's talking about, you know, the, 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 our relationship to the full Godhead, not just to, you know, mm. the Holy spirit and song, you know, the, the, you know, yes. please, yeah. you mean a Holy Spirit come upon me sort of uh, aspect, but it's also how is the, the father in creation here represented and, and how is yes. the son in table and presence represented? Um, yes. And these are, you know, these are the kind of questions I, I am asking myself all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I can just follow up one, one more time here. Um because there's obviously a theological intentionality yeah. um, to the the way you're putting this together, and um, so my question then is, what what are some of the criteria that you have in mind when you're selecting, like very practically now, songs that you sing, like yeah. looking at um, lyrics for songs or even the musical um, elements of of the songs, if that's part of that kind sure. of calculation as well. Um, and, um, maybe even like, what are some like musical artists that you find serve your goals, uh, well that you could commend to, to listeners, um, and, um, you know, people that are, are putting out songs that you feel like accomplish, um, the, the, the goals of what the liturgy, like you've talked about what the liturgy, uh, when it's working, um, like what, what songs, how do you pick songs that make the liturgy work? So I, I feel like, um, well, there, there are different aspects to those questions. So I often ask myself, um, and I think maybe this is a different than the way we've experienced before, but how does, how does the, how does the music serve the liturgy rather than the other way around? Um, yeah. so, yes, you know, many hymns that have been, have been written, have these sort of, uh, cycles where, you know, it talks about creation. It talks about our, you know, the, the redemption of Christ. And then, it, you know, and a lot of the hymns end with a fourth verse, you know, about, you know, uh, 
our our final and glorified redemption. Um, and I've taken I've taken those hymns apart um, in on some occasions and sung you know just one verse at the beginning of the service that has you know a creational vision and ended with the final verse later at the end of the service. Um, again, with this perspective, you know, the, the song serves the, the liturgy. In other words, what are the songs that I want that are, are confessional in nature? What are the songs, uh, that are, you know, filled with assurance, uh, that can be used in that portion of the service? What are songs that fit well during the, during the table? What are songs that fit well in response to the reading of the word? Um, and you know, why, you know, where, where can we in the service sing the Psalms, you know, um, Mm. and not only read them, but then sing them as well. Um, all these, uh, all these parts are, you know, uh, the way I think about how the service comes together. Um, and, you know, I think um, there are there are a handful of artists. You know, it changes from year to year. But right now, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed uh, Sandra McCracken's music. You know, and we've I come to it yeah. often um, because I think she has a, yeah. a, a beautiful vision for that. And then there's a group out of uh, Australia, City City of Light. Um, yes that have also been putting out, you know, kind of rich gospel heavy, uh, content. And, and of course, yes. the, you know, and I've often gone to the Gettys as well. The Gettys have, have, have yeah. music that way. Uh, and maybe on those two city of light and, uh, the Gettys tend to have, you know, large content heavy songs, um, yeah, yes. Sandra's aren't necessarily. Sometimes they're short pieces, and and that's the other aspect. There are there are moments in the service where we don't necessarily need to sing four verses of something. Yeah, there there's sometimes where we can sit uh, with a shorter song, um, and mm. whether it's contemplative or or you know, uh, or you know, joyful. There are uh. there are ways there are, there are all these aspects that uh, I've thought about. And there are portions there are moments in the service where after even the reading of the scripture we we can spend a moment there you know just singing some amens or we can spend some moments there singing singing some hallelujahs there are there are there's music all over the place to do those kinds of things wow um and listening to you talk about it paul's giving me flashbacks of cpt (laughs) conference moments where you know i'm i'm thinking in my mind i'm conjuring up times when you have done the, the things you're talking about yeah. in, in really skilled, thoughtful ways that give pause and give space uh, for the response of the worshiper. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's, that's, that's super, super helpful. Paul, can I ask a two part closing question sure. and it's encouragement and encouraging encouragement, encouraging what, what, trends, if I can put it that way, or what, what do you see happening in evangelical worship today that's encouraging to you as someone who thinks deeply about worship and feels passionally about um, uh, church worship and, 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 
evangelicals, um, as it were, doing this well? What's encouraging you? And then what encouragement would you have for the pastors and the aspiring pastors, seminarians who are listening from your perspective as a worship leader? Like, hey, pro tip to the pastors (laughs) who are going to be working with worship leaders or be, uh, you know, ultimately responsible for the the worshiping life of a congregation one day. What, What encouragement would you have for them? Okay. All right, so uh, for the first question, um, what am I encouraged about? Uh, it actually was something yeah. that I was thinking about just right before you asked that question. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like the evangelical church um, is is becoming a part of this, you know, liturgical renewal movement. Um, um, and I see it in little pieces here and there, even if it's, you know, and I've, you know, uh, we didn't talk much about the Chicago liturgists, but even among those, uh, of my friends and colleagues, uh, and peers in the city and and outside the city, there have been, you know, discussions, even if it's small, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're adding a time of confession for our service. Um, how can we do that? What does that look like? Um, and so there is, you know, that's, you know, that started with Vatican II and, you know, kind of uh, reached into the Anglican church and the, um, and the Lutheran and Episcopalian church it is now sort of kind of bled down to uh, the evangelical church as we've started from to, high to low. Yeah. It, we, as we started to wrestle with what it looks like for us to, return to sort of a historically styled liturgical worship service. And I think Mm. we, I think I'm encouraged because we have a unique way of coming to the liturgy than do uh, some of the other traditions. Yeah. Um, And I don't know exactly what that is yet, um, but I feel like uh, we have an opportunity um, in the evangelical church to, uh, think about the liturgical structure maybe a little differently than some of other traditions. I'm not sure how, what that, or how that looks like. Hmm. Um, That's great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, And how about encouragement (laughs) to pastors and and seminarians and future pastors, a pro tip from a professional worship pastor leader, (laughs) (laughs) those of us for whom this isn't our world, but church life and leadership and ministry. Yeah. I don't, um, and I heard this when I was at, uh, in my, in my program, um, at IWS, I heard this, uh, early on for those, you know, and I was already, as I feel like I was already in that liturgical world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who are coming into it fresh and we're super excited about it and like, let's do this, man. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I heard a lot was this is good for you. Please don't get fired over it. You know what I'm saying? I, um, <laughs> in other words, uh, come to this, uh, liturgical renewal movement with humility. Um, look at your yeah. context, understand where your church is, you know, understand who your people are and, um, be excited what it, be excited about what it means to have a service that it has this sort of, you know, redemption cycle and gospel story. Mm. Um, but, uh, not, but, but take it, you know, take it easy 
Um, listen not, to the spirit, yes. listen to your, listen to your senior pastors and take it one step at a yes. time. Um, I think it's important for the evangelical church that we're going down this, down this road. Um, I hope it continues. Um, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Pastoral prudence and pastoral patience <laughs> in, in large, large helpings is, yeah. is always good advice. Exactly. Paul, mm-hmm. it's been great to connect with you, brother, yeah. and, and talk today. Thanks for a, a fantastic conversation. And we're grateful again for your friendship and partnership with the CPT, your good work with the Chicago liturgists and, and helping be a, a really an instrumental part of, of the liturgical renewal for worship pastors in the Chicagoland area and no doubt beyond. And we look forward to continuing to partner with you in the future, brother. Great to have you on the show today. Thank you, guys. It was really a privilege to be with you. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.